you for listening to this message from Life in the Sun Christian Fellowship. We hope you'll be inspired to honor God and make disciples. So that kind of segues into our message today. It's going to be talking about sonship. And it, this, this, this study today was really uh, eye-opening for me because, you know, even listening to, the, to our worship this morning, and uh, it, it just kind of nailed some stuff for me. So uh, before I go any further, let's just go ahead and pray, and, and we'll get started today. Father, we just come before you, and we thank you for just amazing God that you are. We thank you that in your own way, you make yourself known to each one of us. But Father, it says in your word that without faith, it is impossible to know you, that we have to first believe that you're there. We have to first believe that you're capable of doing the things that you promised. So Father, we want that word to go out today, that you are the fulfiller of promises, that your word is not void. It doesn't come back to you unless it accomplishes exactly and specifically what you've ordained it to accomplish. So, Father, today, let our hearts be opened. Let our minds be changed. Let our, uh, the inner parts of our soul and our spirit, Lord, receive something new and fresh today from knowing what it means to be adopted as sons of God. In Jesus' name. So I have to give you a little disclaimer on, you know, sonship. Uh, I know you're going to hear the term sonship or being a son or being adopted as a son, it means that for all of the human race, male or female. We're not trying to get into the whole, you know, gender neutral thing because God made it specific that we are sons of God. And the other thing I'd like to share is that as we were going through our, uh, our communion this morning, you know, just something was about it that, that struck me. And I don't know, maybe you guys kind of feel this way at times too, but whenever we sit down and actually take communion, we're taking something that is simply a representation of something, right? Uh, we have the bread and we have the wine or the grape juice, but it signifies something. It symbolizes something that we do not see. Yeah, we see the, the bread, we see the, the wine, but we don't necessarily see specifically what it represents. We have to accept that by faith, right? So that's kind of what today is. It's, it's learning how to walk by faith, but it has been established by God through sonship. So what's the opposite of being a son? Well, the word talk, talks about it. It's either being uh, an orphan or being a slave. And we know that through the scriptures, and we know by experience, that when we're orphaned from God, we are slaves to sin. And we're struck with a dilemma. How do we get through that? How do we get to the other side where we can actually enjoy that fellowship with God and know who we are in Him and be able to be set free from the slavery to sin? And again, we have the truth and the truth is what sets us free. Amen? So I'm going to try this. Uh, hopefully it'll work. Yeah, look at that. I'm in control. Yeah. <laughs> but that's what I'm going to be preaching against today. Don't be in control. 
Okay, so <laughs> let God be in control. <laughs> okay, so let's just read this. I know there's a lot of words up there, but I, I also want to kind of give to you some, uh, uh, I did a little color coding thing. And as I'm working through this today, I want you to kind of look at that color coding as two things. All right? If it's red, that means it's self-effort. It's the flesh, and it's of the world. If it's in yellow, that means it's of the spirit, it's based on a promise, and it's about faith. So we got that? So, so on the red is what? Self-effort, flesh, and on the yellow is spirit, faith. Okay. We got it. Now we're going to start reading. This is out of Galatians chapter 4. This is our, uh, the, the basis of our message today and where we're going to be drawing a lot of our ideas from. So Paul says, what I am saying is that as long as an heir is under age, so an heir in this case is uh, because we've been adopted as sons, we have become heirs, right? Heirs to the kingdom. So as long as an heir is under age, he is no different from a slave, although he owns the whole estate. How many of us, when we come to Christ, we, we understand who, the whole process, but we haven't graduated in our mind to understand what faith is? We can't get a hold of those things. So we're still a slave to the elemental things, and that's what we're going to talk about. Although he owns the whole estate, we've been given everything in Christ. The heir is subject to guardians and trustees until the time set by his father. So also when we were under age, we were in slavery under the elemental spiritual forces of the world. But, see I like these buts, especially this one. But when the, the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship. See, I want you to grasp this today. This isn't about, you know, getting you to follow a set of rules. Christianity isn't about uh, doing the right thing, although following God and in the right spirit will allow you to do the right thing. Faith has to come first. Because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. All that really means is Daddy God. Just like when a, when a child comes up and, and simply says, Daddy, there's, it's a term of endearment. It's a term of relationship. It's not, hey, you. It's not, hey, God, if you're there. No, there's an intimacy here. There's a knowledge of who he is, yes, but what does that knowledge cause us to do? It cause, calls us in to experience him. We can only do that through one thing, and that's through faith. So you are no longer a slave but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. It's about position. Galatians 4, to 24 says, it is written that Abraham had two sons, one by the bondmaid and one by the free woman. Howbeit the one by the bondmaid is born after the flesh. Because what happened? 
That was where Sarah was barren, right? And Abraham had been given a promise by God saying, you shall bear a son. And he's like, whoa, wait a minute. I'm old. My wife is old and she's barren. It'll never happen. But still, God made the promise. See, faith oftentimes is going to feel or sound ridiculous. It's not going to make sense. But God is doing this on purpose. Why? Because if it made sense, we would need God. Right? So there's this distance that needs to be covered by our understanding. And oftentimes our understanding betrays us because we want to do it our way. We want to understand it our way. We want to come to it in our own time. We want to be able to produce those thoughts our own and say, I figured it out. God is real. No, church, no. God reveals himself to us in time. And all I can say to you, no matter where you're at across the, the whole spectrum of this church, you're in process of knowing who God is. And he's working on your behalf. He's already done it. He's already taken the whole process and dropped it into each and every one of us. But we're, we are in the business of discovering it. It's an undiscovered country. But the son by the free woman is born through promise, which things contain an allegory for these two women are the two covenants. So we know about the two covenants, right? We know about the old covenant and the new covenant. The old covenant was based on the blood of animals and goats and bulls offered on, a, on, a, uh, on an altar, right? For it, throughout all the time that, that, that Israel was under that dispensation. But the new covenant is different. It's the same requirement, but it's a permanent one, right? It's once for all. It's not once every day or twice or three times or whatever. I think it was, what, three? I don't know. How many different times a day they had to slaughter these animals to, to offer for sin? But Jesus came along under a new covenant, under promise, right? Because go back to the flesh. That's the law. That's, this needs to be done. You need to do, 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 do in order to get, 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 get. But none of us were capable. So we know that the law is spiritual, but I'm unspiritual, right? I've been sold as a slave to sin. This is where we start out. This is where we're born into this world, Okay. Did you ever wonder why a baby steals toys from another baby? <laughs> they didn't learn it, <laughs> right? They didn't watch somebody and go, oh, so, okay, I just grab it, okay. No, it comes out of their heart, right? It's like, that's mine. And they walk around, mine, mine. It's our sin nature. We've been sold as a slave to sin, a slave to our way of thinking. Part of that thinking is, number one, God does not exist. We don't know him. Number two, I'm good enough. Number three, pride st steps in, says either, you know, I got this made or I cannot do anything right. Nothing works. Nothing is, is profiting me. Or look at my kingdom that I've built on this earth. Look at my, my business, my job, my family. It's all because of me. But then Jesus came with the new covenant, right? And he talks about grace, mercy, love, 
forgiveness. Things we don't, we know we don't deserve those things. We know the things that we've done. We've got our list, right? I got my list I keep on myself. I got my list I keep on others. I'm sure I'm on somebody's list in here. Whether good or bad, I don't know, but hopefully on the good. But Jesus came and said, where is, or Paul said, where is boasting? Because of what Jesus has done, we cannot boast. There is nothing that we can put forth to guarantee or even get what God has promised us. But it's a new kind of law. It's the law of faith. See, faith is something that we either understand or it is a complete mystery to us, right? Faith makes no sense. If you walk in here with logic, you're going to be frustrated with faith because faith defies logic. But you got to look at the root of what logic is. Logic is based on how much you know and how much you understand and how you connect those things together for you to come up to a conclusion. That's all logic is. Some things are logical, right? We can turn on the light switch. Unless the light bulbs burn out, logically, light will come on. If you wake up in the morning, the sun should rise, logically speaking. Unless you're in the Old Testament, when God set the sun still for how many days? Three days, right? It's in the Bible. But we think, that, that, how, that ain't going to happen. But it also says in Hebrews chapter 11 about faith, that faith is the evidence of things not seen. Just throwing that out there because faith is the key to acquiring the promise. And it goes for every single individual in here that no matter where we're at, no matter what struggle we're at, the flesh will try to focus specifically on the problem. And it will use logic to show that that problem is big. It's huge. It's an issue. I got to work through it. It's consuming me. I cannot get through this problem, this issue, this thing I want, this thing I want fixed. I need it now so I can be at rest. But how many of us are learning through Christ that rest is not contingent on our circumstances? Because only God gives us rest. He's the only one that can set us down at his feet and we receive true rest. It is not through striving. So this means that it is not the children of the flesh who are the children of God, children of effort, children of understanding, children of logic. But the children of the promise are counted as offspring. Jesus said, unless you become like little children, you will not see the kingdom of God. Do you realize that the kingdom was designed so children could see it? But yet many of us in our pride we lift up logic and we lift up, you know, the sciences and all these things that we're figuring out as a people. 
things that children cannot understand. But God made a way so that even a child could understand him. Even God in his infinite knowledge and his infinite wisdom. I mean, God's got to be a pretty smart dude, right? He put together the worlds. He framed them. I mean, the things science has discovered to me is just more proof that God is real. This stuff didn't happen by an accident. They happened because God promised life. So let's go and, and, and look at Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, and Jesus. Because we're talking about being a promised son. So if you look at what God did in the lives of these individuals, we see a pattern. Okay? But only one of them was actually the firstborn biologically. Because through biological preeminence, being first... In the flesh, the power and authority of the Father would pass to the firstborn. I want you to digest that for a little bit. Because this is what the whole Old Testament, when you look at uh, what it means to be Jewish or Hebrew, it was all about being the firstborn son. Because all of that blessing would pass. So if you look at Isaac... He gained pre preeminence over Ishmael. And we already kind of discussed this a little bit. We talked about how um, Hagar, which was the servant that Abraham went into, produced through the flesh Ishmael. But God still had a promise, and he fulfilled it through Isaac. It was a miracle. Okay? Because what happens to us individually within the spirit and within the workings of Christ, it's a miracle. How do we go from being one person one day to being somebody else the next? See, this, this trip home for me was, was very significant, and I want to share this. Because it talks about this significance, this power of God that sets things free. And it talks about promises. See, many, many years ago, God made a promise to me about my daughter. And I've been up and down that roller coaster for a long time. Sometimes I'm like, God, I'm with you. At other times, I'm looking at the circumstances. I, I'm, I'm looking at it through eyes of what I see. And I'm like, God, I don't know if it's ever going to happen. But God still gave me that promise. Over the last year, I may have shared this with some of you, you know. Hadn't been good. You know, we had a falling out, and it was just because I was sharing the gospel with uh, one of her boyfriends. And where she was at, she didn't like it. Some things were said that she thought, I, or things, she thought I, I said some things that were never said. And I remember, you know, going through that process, and I, I was telling God, I said, the way this is sitting right now, the only way this is going to get fixed is if you step in. That's it, because she was not at any point were even wanting or, or willing to listen to anything I had to say. I was anathema to her. Well, the miracle is <laughs> promises come true. And this trip home, I actually had the sweetest time 
with my daughter. The journey isn't over yet. She's not there. But it's like God gave me a little, little shot in the arm saying, I'm still working this, Chris. Hang in there. And I'm saying that to help anybody in this room that's trying to hang in there. You don't hang in there by your own strength. You don't try to hold on to that promise. You let that promise hold on to you. Because that's what's going to get you through. It's the promise that gets us through to the other side. It's by faith. It may feel ridiculous. It may feel out of touch. But God is real, and he's going to bring you through. Amen? So I don't have a whole lot of time to go through all of this, but we know the story, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph. But if you look at the bottom, Jesus was the only one, both promised and firstborn. God nailed it with him because it was only going to be able to happen with one because we are destined to be united with his sonship. That's what was happening here. So these are the three things that that particular event that Jesus, you know, we sang the song, at the cross, at the cross. Man, that was a crossroads in eternity for every one of us. Whether Old Testament, New Testament, past, present, future, that was like the nuclear bomb that went off in eternity. It settled everything. It wiped out the enemy's power, and it granted to each and every one of us the power to be sons and daughters of the Most High God. Amen? So rest, redemption. So what is redemption? It's to secure deliverance of, deliver, liberate those who are subject to the law. To buy, pay a price, to set free, to cause the release or freedom of someone by a means which proves costly to the individual causing the release. It costs Jesus his life. But praise God, Jesus couldn't remain in the grave. Amen? He's the redeemer. He was the one that set us free because the grave couldn't keep him. And that's why we are able to be liberated by what he did. So to redeem those who were under the law. So do not think, this is Jesus speaking in Matthew 5, do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have come, I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill. Because he's the promised son. He's the only one born after the law that was able and capable of securing our salvation. But not just salvation. Church, we're going to move into some good stuff here because there's more to it than us just getting a free ticket to heaven. There's more to it. It's deeper. So open up that understanding. Open up your heart and receive something new today. Receive some hope. Receive some vision because God wants to take us in deeper. He wants to take us to places and new things based on our faith that we could never think would ever happen. Because we get stuck in the routine. We get stuck in the day-to-day. -day and things move along at a snail's pace. But if you understood the promises of God, not just big things would happen, miraculous things would happen. Not that we're chasing miracles. But God wants us to move into a new season in our life where we believe the miracles are possible. 
So what is adoption? The beauty of adoption is we become sons. It's no different than a Jewish boy who was under tutors until he comes of age. That's, that's the bar mitzvah, right? The big party when they go from, was it 12 to 13, I think? But if you remember scripture, it also says, Paul said that the law was also our tutor that brings us to Christ. Go back to the scripture that we read earlier. That's the reason. That's the difference. It's a son of commandment. It's either you're born after the law, or, you, and, or I'm sorry, it's either you follow the law or you follow the promise. There is no two ways about it. And if we decide not to believe in God, not to believe in his son, the only other option we have is the law. And every one of us, if we chose the law, are going to stand before God and he's going to say, did you do everything in the law? And every single one of us, if that was our choice, none of us would be able to say, yes, Lord, I've done everything. And then it says in his word, if we say no, depart from me, I never knew you. Church, that's not what God has intended for each or any of us. He does not want any of us to perish but to come to everlasting life as sons. So adoption, this is under Roman law. This was the, the uh, this is where Paul was coming from when he wrote this because he lived in that Roman society. He understood and the people that were going to receive his letters were going to understand the concept. It was just a way, it was a parable, if you will, of him being able to explain the reality of something that we cannot see, which is Adoption. So adoption under Roman law gave you the right to the name and the citizenship of the person who adopted you. Think about Jesus. Right to inherit his property. And the same rights and privileges as a naturally born son. Church, this is, this is the nuclear bomb that can go off in our lives if we let it we begin to realize it is not based on our works. It's not based on our effort. It's not based on anything that we could ever think or do or come to an understanding of logically. Faith is something that brings power into our life. What is faith? Faith is simply belief in action. You can't act on something you don't believe. Think about it. Sitting at a stoplight, that light turns green. What do you got to do? You got to... Hit the gas pedal, right? I mean, I know it's a simple concept. It's a simple example. But if you don't step on that gas pedal, you're not going through the green light. You're going to sit there and it's going to turn red again. But church, sometimes that's where we're at with God. We're stuck at a green light. We've got the gas pedal. The motor's running. God's saying, go. We're stuck because we don't believe. We're stuck because we don't have faith. We're stuck because we believe the lies of the enemy that says you'll never be healed from that condition. We believe the lies that says that you'll never be restored to that relationship. We believe the lies that you're never going to get that job. You're never going to get out of debt. X, 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 X. You're never going to get out of that, that addiction. You're never going to heal your marriage. 
all these things that the enemy comes in and contradicts what? The truth. Because it says in the word that faith comes by hearing and hearing what? The word of God. We have to challenge our lies by the word of God. The word of God is what sets us free to begin the process of faith and understanding. It is the tool in which we use. It's a sword, as it says in the word, that we wield it against the enemy. Spiritual warfare is not all about emotional praying and all that kind of stuff. And blah, 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 blah. Okay? I mean, it's, yeah, we can do that. But is it going to re result in the thing that God had intended it? Because that faith, when we step into it, it could be a simple whisper in an ear. No emotionalism. It's not what it's about. So the last thing is that bring, brings us to the relationship. Because this church is where the miracles happen. This is where you connect with the God you said you believe in. The word specifically says that we have, in order to connect with God, we have to believe that he is. Right? And that he is capable of performing everything he promised. If you hold that Bible up, even if it's on an iPhone, those are your promises. The Bible is not going to save you. You might think, really? I thought it would. The words in it cannot save you unless you believe them. You cannot believe them unless you have faith. Faith is a gift that has been given to you by God. It is available to you. It is as simple as you going, wow. I'm going to, okay. It's really that simple. But if you notice, no matter how hard you try, you cannot have faith. It is not something you do. It's something that happens to you. We each have our own salvation story. We each have our own place where we met God. Because God made it clear in his word that it is that connection where we meet him that he, he, he orchestrates that. Because none of us can come to the Father except through Christ Jesus. And it begins with a mustard seed of faith. So let's go through some scriptures and we'll, we'll close. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Armin, others have talked about the power and the importance of the Holy Spirit. This is it, church. He's our connection. He's our deliverer. He's our purpose. He's the one that, that makes, he's the power. The dunamis is what the word says. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship. It's about position. It's about where you are, not who you are. You've been placed in a family, the family of God. You are actually a child of God. Sometimes we don't know how to let that sink in. We don't understand how that can liberate us. 
But as the word says, we are called to help each other, right? To minister to one another, to spur one another on to good deeds and be faithful. Faithful to what? Faithful to the words that God had spoken. And by him we cry, Abba, Father, the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. It's something that's done in here. We just know it. Something changed. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. We've been, you know, somebody said it earlier, we've been bought with a price because we're valuable to God. And after being baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending as a dove and lighting on him, and behold, a voice out of the heavens said, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. There should have been an uproar in here. Because you know why? If you've been adopted, God is well pleased with you. Come on. He's well pleased with you, no matter what you've done, even five minutes ago. It doesn't matter about the thought that just went through your head. You are an adopted son. And God is well pleased with you. It's about moving from doubt and fear and slavery to the flesh and moving into the promise and saying, I'm shaking that old stuff off. I'm shaking off all these lies. And I want to step into being well pleased by God because it's not based on effort. It's based on position and who you are and where you've come, not where you've come from, but where God has brought you. He's brought you into the family, and he's brought you to a place of victory, and it is ours for the taking. And we are called to come around each other and remind each other every day. So if we have a brother or sister that we're ministering to or being friends with or, or hanging out with, and they're coming to you going, man, this is just weighing me down, and all these issues are happening. I don't know if I can make it. And you remind them, you're a son. You've been set free. Have faith. No, wait on God. Because it's going to happen. So cease striving and know that I am God. I will be exalted in the nations and I will be exalted in the earth. What does it mean? Cease striving. It means rafah. It's the Hebrew word, primitive root to slacken. Abate, cease, consume, draw. Towards evening, fail, faint, be feeble, forsake, idle, leave, let alone... Uh, go down, be slack, stay, be still, be slothful, be weakened. Just means give up. Cease striving because God has done it. It's done. Did not Jesus say from the cross, it is finished? Because it says that he took the captives and freed them. And that's where we are. Two more slides and we're done. Okay, can you move it? This thing ain't working. I'm out of control. <laughs> For the one who has entered his rest. See, this is what that means. Rafa. I want to rest. Where's my recliner? Right? For the one who has entered his rest has himself also rested from his works. We don't produce it, church. He produces it through us, through our connection and relationship to him as sons. 
As God did from his, therefore, let us be diligent to enter that rest so that no one will fall through following the same example of disobedience. Church, he's talking about the Old Testament Jews and having to go through what they went through. Everything. When you read through the Old Testament, there's one common theme. That God was angry at them. Yes. But he was angry at them because they didn't trust him. They didn't know him. But yet he had revealed himself to them face to face. And they wouldn't do it. They said, Moses, you go up the mountain. It's too scary. I don't want to deal with that. You go deal with God. But we know that that's not what God has called us to. In fact, that's what the word says. We have not been called to a mountain with burning fire and judgment. But we've been called to the, the new Jerusalem, the city of angels, where they come down and minister specifically to each and every one of us. Last slide. This is, Jesus was responding to a question that he gave to the, uh, the, par, the father of the paralytic. And he asked him, you know, can you... If you will, can you heal my son? Jesus said, if. And he said these powerful words. Everything is possible to one who believes. It's about confidence. I remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. For we walk by faith and not by sight. Amen. Father, we thank you. We thank you that there's power in your word. They're not just words on the page, but Father, your spirit brings life into the words. They come off of the page and they enter into our heart and we're changed by them. So Father, with every head bowed and every eye closed, there's any of you today that you need that power. You need that power right now in your life. Raise your hand. Just raise it up. Because God is going to meet you right where you sit. He's going to. Why? Because he promised it. He said, if you draw near to me, I will draw near to you. The power that you are seeking is not some magical force. It is a promise of a real person who lives in eternity. He is our eternal Father, and we are His children. So, Father, we thank you for each and every one of them that raised their hand this morning. The hands are all over the room, and Father, we just want to praise you for each person that is here in this house today, whether they raised their hand or not. Lord, let their hearts be touched afresh today. Let them see you in a better and more distinct and purposeful way this morning, Lord God. Lord, let your spirit fall in this house today. Let them be touched by who you are, Father. But I also don't want to leave out if there's anybody in this house today that you want to know this amazing God. That you realize it's not about the works. It's about you stepping out in faith and saying, you know what, I need to know this God. I don't want to be outside the family. I don't want to be an orphan. 
and I surely don't want to be a slave. If that's you this morning, just go ahead and raise your hand and we'll pray with you. Because you too can be adopted just like the rest of us. That his promises to you are both yes and amen. Enter in, it says, my child. Thank you for that hand. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Praise you, Lord. Father, we thank you. Just repeat after me. Father God, in Jesus' name, I believe that you sent your son to die for me specifically. That through that death, I have been granted access not just to you, but to the family of God. That I repent of my unbelief. I repent of my old life. And I reach forward in faith knowing that you are going to supply my every need and you're going to bring everything into my life that I need to walk in a godly way. Because it says in your word that you have given me everything that I need for both life and godliness. And I pray this in Jesus' name.